All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Need Some Introduction. In today's episode, we are going to be recapping the third episode of Succession, an episode called Connor's Wedding. I don't know if that's ironic <laughs> or not. That definitely that definitely happened. It did happen. <laughs> and uh, we'll get into this very quickly, just some very, very brief show notes. We are also covering Yellow Jackets, many people joining our coverage of Yellow Jackets. So jump in if you are watching that show. Very interesting twists and turns these past couple of weeks. Subscribe. You'll know when those episodes become available. And also a bonus episode on Wednesday. We are coming back. You just saw a preview of it here tonight. Uh, Barry is back next week. And uh, if you do watch that show, track down our coverage. But I will be republishing the last two recap episodes of that season as a bonus episode this Wednesday. And maybe just catch up on some other things I've been watching as well briefly before republishing those episodes. Okay. That's very quickly, <laughs> the news of the day, because let's just get into this episode. <laughs> Importantly, let's get into this breakdown, because I don't know if I ever said this on mic. I wish I had. <laughs> I just had a feeling that this was going to be the episode that the dad died in. Maybe not this specific episode, but it was going to happen very soon that Logan was going to die. And this is not that I I texted you today, Sona, that we should record tonight because something big is going to happen. I just have a feeling. And it's not like a psychic ability, by the way. I had heard that critics were not getting screeners to this episode. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Logan is dying. <laughs> so it's not as clairvoyant as I seemed when I texted you this morning. It was like the writing's on the wall here, just in general. Why are they not releasing this episode? Something big is happening. And boy, something big happened. See, I am so naive that I didn't necessarily think Logan was going to die in the run of this series. I thought he might actually finally decide to step down. I just felt the show didn't, I mean, not only because it's called Succession, but I just felt that the show wouldn't have a point to an extent if it ends with like, and Logan is still chugging along for another 10 years. Uh, by the I way, mean, the analog Murdoch is still alive and he's in his 90s. So he could have lasted <laughs> another 10 years, right? I mean, it does bring everything full circle to the first episode of yeah. the series, which, you know, mm -hmm. I would kind of like to rewatch again to see how the characters handled that situation in comparison to how they handled things in the episode tonight. But it makes sense for a lot of reasons. I just was naive. So let's do the breakdown here because I have many stops along the way and obviously interject anywhere you want to. I wonder, actually, I honestly don't know as I was preparing for this conversation if this is going to be a quick conversation because we really have a giant half hour sequence in the middle of the episode. And I don't know if you checked out the featurette at the end. Sona, I did. And we talked about mm -hmm. shooting that whole thing, which is pretty incredible the way they did that. Uh, and we'll, we'll actually save that for the end. But I this might go quickly or it could be <laughs> slow because I have some takes on, or actually I want to get your takes on some of the individual interactions and uh, just to kind of uh, get into uh, this. But that's why I don't know if it's will be long or short. Oftentimes I feel like we're talking about this funny scene and how crazy that was. And there probably won't be a lot of those sidebars uh, this uh, in this episode. But There were still some laugh out loud moments here though. There were, surprisingly. Yes, yes. Mostly Gallus humor. Yeah, you know, yes, but, yes. Yeah. Even, even at the end. All right, so we open Logan has uh, is in the car, the back seat with Carrie. Oh man, we got to talk about Carrie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they were just seating the ground with that anchor clip and her yes. Yes, unfortunate yes. smiling. But yes, go ahead. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a tick. That's a good point. I did not even think of that. That may be a tick there. Logan uh, 
is in the back seat with Kerry, as I mentioned. They're heading to fly out to see Matson to try to seal the deal. They're not going to Connor's wedding. They uh, have sent some Napoleon Josephine letters uh, as a gift, which I presume would be very, very expensive. I mean, yes, it seems like a <laughs> remarkably extravagant gift. Not guess, that he can't you know, afford it, but, you right, know, still. Exactly. And he wants Rome to come meet with Matson. Rome says, no, I already told you, Dad, I am going to Connor's wedding. And then he, interestingly, this is one of the first things I wanted to get your take on, because I did not realize this was, you know, at this moment that he was going to be dead within, <laughs> mostly not see him again. But I found it interesting that he has immediately, after last week, moved back into his usual position of not only being the alpha, but using that. He's always pushing people into uncomfortable places as a means of domination. And it's funny that last week, after kind of having a pretty earnest conversation with the siblings, he immediately is telling Roman to fire Jerry, is then like saying, were you fucking with me? Are you with me? Are you not with me? So this whole like going to like, please, I need you to all of a sudden bully him. It's a really weird reversal, but it is very much in his character. But I did want to get your read on that because it's just interesting that he immediately defaults back to that usual stance. Well, it reminded me of our conversation last week and our guesses at how sincere he was when he was talking to them in the karaoke place. And it made me feel more certain in my opinion from last week that most of it was just strategy, except he really does love them. Yeah, right. The The only other part I'd add to that is that he does seem contemplative after that interaction. And I would defend the fact that, A, this is how he gets people to do what he wants them to do. And B, oftentimes you kind of fall back into your normal family dynamics. And maybe this is how he's, I mean, he has this a lifetime of experiences with Roman, right? Maybe this is how he gets Roman motivated. So I was thinking that, A, some of it is him trying to reassert himself, but B, maybe this is just how he talks to Roman, you know, like not the best way to interact with your kids, but maybe that's just how it is. Maybe. I think we're coming at it from two different perspectives, but I, th I take your point as well. That's why I wanted to get your feedback on it because I'm not really sure how to read it. I'm sticking with how I felt in that, like... <laughs> He tried to throw in that true sentiment at the end, mm -hmm. but the rest of it was just, you know, I think it was manipulative. Yeah. Not that it was not a hundred percent false, but I think, right. you know, the words were chosen with the purpose of manipulating him. Yes, I agree. I mean, there definitely was manipulation, but I maybe yeah. take it more earnestly. Tom calls Greg and Greg's like, oh, you didn't need me there. He's like, no, that's okay. I brought three or four Greglets with me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Greg was like, why do you need all those Greglets? What's, what do you mean? What is a Greglet? <laughs> He's very worried about losing his position as it is at the limited yes. position he has. But it turns out that he does confide in him at the end. I, and uh, I want to get, when we get there, I definitely want to get your take on what's happening in that particular interaction later in the episode. This interaction with Willa's mom is interesting. She's talking to Willa. She's impressed by the extravagance of it. So she's definitely impressed by it. But she also gives this, I got to give credit for the actress herself, the mother who's barely been in this show, but she looks at us through the point of view of the camera, but really is talking to Willa and her face like softens and she goes, he'll take care of you. So mm -hmm. I think she's earnestly feeling that at the moment, which I thought was kind of sweet. And then, of course, Connor comes over, the buffoon that he is, and he's like, I'm not looking, I'm not looking, no bad luck. And yes. Willa plays along. She's like rolling her eyes yes. like, okay, yes, I'll play along. So things are going pretty smoothly at this point. 
Oh, I do like, by the way, that before he, you know, we cut away from this scene, he's talking to Willa's mom. And he mentions the fact that, you know what? Mr. Scrooge was a wealth creator. Mm-hmm. People don't think about that, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we find out that Logan is not only getting rid of Jerry, he's also trying to kill Sid. I love Tom's pantomime here, where he's like, oh, you mean imitating that he put an arm to block her eyes? And then shooting her for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean today? That's what we're doing there? Like <laughs> Cold-blooded headshot? <laughs> Carolina witnesses this and... She's uncomfortable here. I do wonder, even at this point, that they're kind of cleaning house and they're getting rid of the women. And maybe that's why Carolina is like prickly about this. What, what did you think? I don't know about that specifically on a grander scale, but he was very disconcerted by how cold he was about Jerry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes you know, absolutely. someone who has been with him for so long and through so much. I mean, we do have the X factor of the... Uh, you know, graphic photos. That, right. That Which kind they bring of set... up in the previously on. So I'm like, really? Is that the thing they're trying to convince us is the cause of this? I was a little surprised by that. Yeah. And it comes up again, I think, with Roman, maybe when he leaves the small message. I'm not sure. But I, I, <laughs> yes. wasn't there like another reference at some point? So I'm not sure the role that that plays. But like I was very thrown I mean, listen, business is business. I get it. But it just seemed very cold for the Jerry character specifically to be dismissed in such a, well, in such a dismissive way. <laughs> right. And then uh, they're pressuring him. Tom says that he's gotten feedback from dad and he wants to know as soon as Jerry's been fired. So like two minutes after he gets off the phone mm-hmm. with his dad, he's already getting pressured by Tom. Like, have you done it yet? And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, I just got here. Like, what are you talking mm-hmm. about? And he's very uncomfortable with this. And he walks over to Jerry. Jerry is immediately suspicious because just like, why is he being uncomfortable? Why aren't you? He says, why aren't you making comments about penises or vaginas right now? Like, why? <laughs> what? This is so out of character for you to not insult me as soon as you show up or, or say something offensive. So she starts to suss it out. He never even says it. She just figures yep, it out. She's from. a smart lady and she knows him and she knows something's up. And he folds and, like a house of cards. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's almost forgotten here, by the way, that remember, I guess it was at the end of season two, maybe, or early in season three, when the DOJ shows up, they're like, we are done. We're finished. And mm-hmm. that whole thing like disappeared. And Jerry was able to, as she puts it, was able to dance them through a thunderstorm without getting wet. Yes. And apparently they're making some excuses. She's the one who brings it up, by the way, in this moment. You brought it up before that she's like, didn't ha- this doesn't have to do with anything with you sending me pictures of your genitalia. Right. Does it? Yes. So it's like everyone's kind of like, that's what everyone's thinking about these uh, interactions. And I wonder, I do wonder what Logan's real reason for this. He seemed to not really sour on Jerry until he saw her laughing at that video. So was that the trigger or is it just he already was uncomfortable? Now he was looking for something else. I'm not sure what it was, but I guess we'll never find out now. (laughs) (laughs) Unless they found like a note on his desk that explains it. I mean, people can be mercurial, especially people with a lot of power. It just surprised me for the Jerry character specifically. Now, I had a specific question I was going to ask you at this moment. I was taking notes while I was watching the show. And it's almost like a moot point at this point, but I'll still ask it, which was he's saying we're going to you can sue us or make some kind of accusations mm-hmm. about the dick pics or whatever, but you're going to be very happy because we're just going to like stuff so much gold down your throat. Mm-hmm. And what I was thinking at that moment was this is so much like 
an abusive relationship at that moment, I am sure they would just give her money to make her walk away. And they have more than enough money to throw around. And could you imagine she'll probably get like tens of millions of dollars and just walk away? Considering how morally compromised you have to be to work with these people, mm -hmm. it would be like a relief potentially. Like in my eyes, mm -hmm. I'm looking at it going like, this would be a luxury to walk away from these mm -hmm. train wreck of these people and this family that's so toxic. But at the same time, you know that she doesn't want to. And that's where I say it's like a metaphor of a abusive relationship because there's sometimes where you've like overinvested and you know you should walk away, but it's really hard to walk away with when you've like have these expectations and they're all been unfulfilled in a way. I agree with you. It felt like really what would be the big deal after all that you have been through and all that you have done and how hard you have worked, what would be the problem really with taking the money and living a very nice life? And probably land somewhere else and be a very successful person, executive at some other location. Yeah, if she wants to. I, I mean, I'm sure she'd have just enough money. Well, passion. she probably, listen, she could probably quit today with no money yes. and have enough to live <laughs> right. the rest of her right. life. But maybe there's something to be said, right, for, for leaving on your own terms and, right, right. you know, the idea of it not being decided for you. And maybe that's where she's bristling or thinking, they're their own type of family, though not related by blood. And she's getting right. like kicked out of the family in that right, way. Right. And that is hurtful. Yeah, I agree with all that. But this is why I was saying, I kind of prefaced all that by saying it almost is moot at this point, because now things have changed so fundamentally. She's now actually a player here, potentially. Yes. So, and we uh, see that for sure from the previews. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, this has changed significantly. And she may have played nice and walked away with a pocket full of cash before. She's probably going to be way more antagonistic because like you said, if she goes for the brass ring, she could get it or she can fail and still be rich as hell. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's, it's not going to hurt her either way. Right. And she probably deserves it more than anybody else. So we find out initially, we don't know all the story of this, but we find out that Connor is not happy with the cake. They made a Victoria sponge cake, something I literally had to Google to see if it was real. I didn't question its existence, but yeah, I'd never heard of it. I didn't. Yeah, it wasn't like they're lying to me. I, I was just more curious <laughs> about like, you know, seeing one. I'm like, what, what is that? You know, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a sponge cake, which is a weird thing to make a wedding cake out of, by the way. It's pretty funny that he basically says that he does not want to see its internal quality. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to see the outside. But apparently he gorged himself on it when his mom was sent to the institution. I almost called it the loony bin because he calls it the loony <laughs> the cake. The loony cake, sure. <laughs> the loony cake. <laughs> Roman, by the way, feels absolutely terrible about this firing of Jerry and feels it's very unfair. And Kieran Culkin does such a great job in this episode, by the way, in general. Yes, but he does. When you see him like really just starting to break down here on the phone with his dad and he doesn't know how to feel and he has these feelings for Jerry that he can't even explain. He's like so messed up. But he thinks that his dad might be messing with him. So he you know, he goes around it like five different ways. But I love how he ends the call. And he just goes like, Dad, are you being a cunt? And he's like, oh, goodbye. <laughs> yes. Bye bye. That, that's it. Oh, that's, that's my the, God. <laughs> the yes. last thing he says to his dad. I mean, maybe his dad. Yes. Him, but the that, last that's thing. What, he's trying to get to the bottom of that later in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I really like here at the beginning of the episode, this feeling, the family dynamic here. We're having the family together, the siblings. And uh, you see how Kendall immediately starts joshing with Roman. And I really like this because it's like so often you get so caught up in the melodrama of the show and the comedy of these characters, you lose sight of the fact that that's what bonds them together, right? It's just like our family, right? You have this shared history and they just know each other better than anybody else. And they can like hate each other, but then all of a sudden here they are at a wedding. 
And I just thought this really worked. You know, he's kind of seeing that family dy dynamic play out with these three. And it's funny because I wrote, took this note early in the episode, just seeing them kind of ribbing each other and mess around, messing around with each other. And then, of course, it was even more powerful when they have to go through this tragedy together. As mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It was all a lot of the sibling dynamic and very nicely done and nice to watch. Kendall does also find out here that dad's on his way to Sweden to meet with Madsen. And he starts to wonder, oh, wait, maybe that deal wasn't as good as we thought it was. Maybe we shouldn't have pushed back. Once again, all these things that observations I'm making early on seem almost like head fakes in the show because so much of this does not matter by the right. end of the episode. Well, it matters a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to, you see in the coming attractions, there's uh, this is almost like a reset of the season. So they're kind of, they did that whole thing where they're like later in this season because they're kind of seeing previews right. of all that is to come uh, after this point. And you see Matson in like all different outfits. So he's all over yeah. the... And we got to talk about speculation on that because obviously he's in the driver's seat, you know, kind of jumping to the end here, but the stock price is cratering and this original deal doesn't seem to make much sense when the company's not valued at what it was before. Right. Connor's completely unaware, by the way, that the dad's not coming to the wedding. That's pretty messed up. Yet another messed up thing for Logan to do and just leave the siblings to take care of it. He really doesn't yes. care. I mean, hey, hey, I bought him a nice gift. That's it. That's enough. And, you know, Shiv is dispatched to be the one to tell Connor that dad is oh, not yes. going to make it. So, <laughs> Which is part of the reason that she's not in the room when the right. original call comes in. Based on his, uh, you know, um, Roman's uh, crude way that he answered the phone, I don't know if it was his dad that he thought was calling him. Probably Tom's phone that is calling him. I, I think, saying. yes. And by the way, uh, this is another thing that will be regretful potentially for Shiv going forward. Tom called her multiple times when she was walking up the stairs and then walking. So he really called her first and she rejected the calls. And then that's when he called Roman. So if she feels bad that she didn't get to, I mean, it's very likely that Logan was beyond reach at that point anyway. But if she feels this regret that she was the last one to know, she could have been the first one. And, uh, but she hung up on Tom or ignored his call. I do think Kendall and Roman were absolutely awful as far as being prepared for a crisis in that moment as well, because I think they made it very clear that they should go get Shiv immediately. And they True. both just absolutely. stood there. So yes, but also the gravity of the situation was clear, but it it was kind of like a freeze response from both of them, I think. And then, yeah, this whole devastating kind of interaction happens where you see the siblings are all dealing with this in their own way. This is sad for Tom. Also, he's being very strong at this moment and just saying, I'm going to hold you to his ear. It's such a difficult thing that he's trying to do. They're all trying to do this on the plane where they're trying to be kind to the siblings. And they're like, the siblings are basically saying like, tell me he's okay. Tell me he's okay. They're like, I, I cannot yeah. tell you that. Yeah. And it was very, very hard for all of them, obviously. And uh, yeah, this all this was so natural in the way it played out. It was really well done. I mean, not surprising this show can do this, but the way that this happened uh, was surprising, right? That it's just so impersonal. They're all doing this mm -hmm. on the phone. He's on the plane. He's, you know, it's going to take him an hour. You know, he's probably been in the air for hours. So now they're going to take another hour to circle back. And then they have to find, a, you know, they have to slot them into the landing somehow. So, I mean, this could be hours before they're on the ground. And this whole time, this poor flight attendant is doing compressions on his chest. And it's like completely a lost cause. Yeah. And I think as far as the way it was shot, they do address this in the, the post-show segment of, you know, like as a viewer, I think it's very strange that we did not get 
a scene of anything indicating this was coming on the plane, right? right? right. Not Logan saying he's not feeling well and excusing himself going to the bathroom. I mean, never mind anything that would have more certainty to it. Like literally we see nothing. So we're basically in the same position as the siblings as far as finding out what's happening. For a moment there, I was like, is this all a ruse at first? Because they called Roman. Is this a ruse to get Roman to fly out to see Matson? Because the dad's going to be like, he's really sick. And I don't think he can make this meeting tomorrow. And someone should be with him. And, and they intentionally are not showing anyone doing compressions. And everybody seems like overly calm on the plane, or maybe they just kind of at this point have already accepted what's happened. But to my eyes, I just didn't know how to read these scenes. You know, you see Carl in the background, just kind of sitting there while Tom's on the phone with the siblings. And, and I would have been very annoyed, by the way, if this was the case. But for a minute there, I was thinking, is this all a setup by Logan? And did, you, did that cross your mind at all? Or were you confident that it was the end of the line for Logan here? No, perhaps even more twisted. I thought, you know how Tom likes to play those weird jokes on Greg. I thought maybe he was doing a really strange bit with the siblings. That would be extremely Um, cruel. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it wouldn't make any sense. But, you know, we know Tom to make up stuff so much of the time that seems like it could be true. That was my original thing of like, is this some weird gag that Tom is pulling? It became pretty clear pretty fast that it was not. When they were cutting back and forth, there's multiple interactions where we don't know what's actually happening on the plane. And once again, maybe trying to put us in the headspace of the kids so that whatever we come up with, he's playing a game. It's not right. as serious as we think it is. He's messing with us. Uh, or, you know, Logan made him make the phone call. And this is all a manipulation to get us to fly out for the Matson meeting. Whatever we come up with, maybe they want us to be in the headspace of the siblings because they don't show us right away. As a matter of fact, you hear they're doing compressions. And then right. they're like, but no one's interacting with Tom. And then like people are just saying, yeah, okay, yeah, you can have the room, whatever. It's still very businesslike. And then you start seeing people seem concerned. And then you actually see the compressions being applied to, to Logan. So, But that is like a few minutes into this conversation. Yeah. So I think they're intentionally leaving it vague so that we can fill in the blanks. Because you know, you're on the other end of that phone call. You don't know what's happening on that plane. While on that plane, they're flying back. Like Everything that can be done is being done. And I love the fact that Ken is like, I'm going to call Frank on his phone. I need to talk to the pilot. And Frank's like so annoyed. He like kicks the wall or hits the wall, <laughs> but then talks calmly to Ken. And he's just like, I, you can't talk to the pilot. The he's pilot flying is flying the plane. The plane. <laughs> We're trying to get back. And uh, that is not helping the situation. But Ken was like, just tell them they have to do it right. But then this to me was very reminiscent of the first episode, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Where yep. Kendall's talking about how they're going to get the best doctors. And if I'm remembering correctly, the original doctor they had hadn't graduated from a prestigious enough school or something mm-hmm. like that. And, yep. you know, so I feel like he's come full circle here to the way he's reacting to his dad in a medical crisis, you know, like this is his go-to way to deal with it. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, and he assumes like, once again, they just, you know, if I yell loud enough, I'll get what I want, even in this circumstance, which is crazy. But I mean, people deal with things in in different ways. And then my note I took here is no one told Connor exclamation point. They've forgotten Connor, although I do understand the awkwardness of needing to tell someone that when they're about to get married. If we can just go back for a minute too, to like, I mean, I understand that it is terrible to be put on the spot to say, these could be the last words you ever say to your father, and I'm going to put yeah. the phone to his ear, and yeah. you say what you need to say. 
And I, I don't think anyone rehearses that ahead of time. But boy, what was going on with Roman? Like, I know yes. mm-hmm. he's yes. in some sort of denial. I get it. But like, as he recognizes himself later, like his go to was not I love you. Right. It was was just a lot of other stuff coming out that was like very meaningless. And then Kendall got the I love you out. But then there was like some very conflicted stuff about their relationship, which was honest. But also, is this really what you're choosing for this moment in time? Very indicative of their characters, I thought. Very interesting to see what they chose to say in those final moments. So glad you took it back to that because I forgot to mention it. Uh, and that was a long sequence as well. But yeah, this is so great. The actors all do such a great job, especially Kieran Culkin here. I love how he's just like incapable of saying those words, although he does say them, I think. <laughs> but even how he's confused after the fact, I can't in my mind remember it or not, but I think it was in there somewhere. But like you said, I like it's really interesting that he is just saying it's going to be okay. And then he's like saying it wasn't okay because he's talking about when they were kids and he's conflating all these things, which is just how his brain works. I think in general, he's just jumping from one thing to the other. And like you said, I love that the way that um, Kendall reacts where he also does say, I love you, but then he's like, but I can't forgive you because <laughs> they all have all this toxic uh, interactions yeah. that they never, ever got out in the the open. And Shiv is the one who immediately goes to that as well. She's immediately open and says, I love you. And it's going to be okay if you need to go. You know, she kind of lets him go. But then she changes her mind. And then she gets angry at him again. That's the same thing. Because it's like all these unresolved issues there with the siblings. But uh, yeah, this was all really well done. And the and, physical uh, nature too. You can see that like Roman has curled himself into a little mm-hmm. ball. Like, yes. you know, he's like really just doesn't know what to do with this. And Kendall's the one who always like actually takes action all the time. And once again, you think about that sibling dynamic. He was also the one that's like, okay, I'll do it. And Roman's like, I can't. Like it just period. Mm-hmm. I just can't. And this is when they're deciding to go tell Connor. It's interesting though that they, you know, they do go and tell him, but and they are caught up in the moment, obviously. But also there is this sad, once again, the siblings have always been, these three have always been like inseparable compared to Connor. And he makes that point previously. But it's so funny that once again, they're in their thing. And they're like, oh my God, we haven't told Connor yet. It's like, right. it's, 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 they have to remind themselves. And then they do. You see that Kendall steps up, but then he asks um, Shiv to come with him. They hold hands as they go to approach him. And he's like, it's serious, it's serious. Please come with us. And even there, he's like, you know, telling the cake people, like, give me another five minutes. Like he thinks whatever it is, it's not going to be too bad. He thinks and the cake his... is the worst of it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, if he only knew, if he only knew. <laughs> And this is a great scene, once again, uh, Alan Ruck doing such a great job in this performance as well. I love his response where he says, he never even really liked me. And mm-hmm. he's like, no, I think he did. And then he says, I never had a chance to prove myself to him. Once again, just showing how everybody are, are exposing themselves here. He has a less emotional reaction and he was the one who was the most distant from his dad. And also the fact that he always felt like the loser who had to ask his dad for money all the time. So he has this conflict of being like, I barely knew the guy, but I still wanted that closeness to him. I wanted to him to be impressed with me. And of course, he never had those things. And now he never will. In their world, Logan is the son that they've all been orbiting around. Without that, they've, they're all like off their axis or whatever it may be. You know, like they don't know what to do, whether it's like that they've lost a common enemy or they've lost the person they've been seeking approval from or 
they've lost the person that like structured their entire world. As we've talked about so many times, they're very unprepared for what life is without him in it. You know, as much as they like to act like he gets in their way and they don't need him, they have never shown that to be practically true. I mean, I've talked before about like, you're a gazillionaire, you hate your father, take the money you have, go to a Caribbean island, live the rest of your life, you know? You don't need to choose this, right? But, But they are, and they I think this just really brings to the surface how ill-prepared they are for a life without him in it, whether in a positive way or a negative way. And that's like, once again, it's like this abusive relationship they can't escape. And uh, he keeps pulling them back in. And this is how he's all always manipulated them. And I think that's kind of the point that the show is trying to make is that that dynamic from their childhood is something they can't escape. And then on top of that, in the business, he has the same interactions with those people as well. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. He manipulates them in the same way. They, he doesn't have the same level of pull on them because it is a quid pro quo, right? Like they know they have to kowtow to him, but they also get money. They get the prestige. They they are always angling. So to be honest with you, and we can save this for the end, but I'm very curious to see how the succession battle is going to play out because the siblings maybe will rise to the challenge, but they seem incapable at this moment of being the savvy ones, whereas all these other folks probably have been coming up with mm-hmm. their own contingency when Logan dies. And Logan mm-hmm. is no spring chicken. They've been planning right. for this for a long time. He almost died in season one. <laughs> it's not like exactly. This I'm very curious to see how that all plays out. Okay, we leave the siblings and we go to the plane and we see that Carolina goes straight to business. I'm going to start drafting a letter. <laughs> this is incredible. Uh, Carl is uh, tries to, he wants to get a stiffener. He wants to start drinking. Tom says, sure, we're not on the clock anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and they're thinking about who do we have to contact first? We got to talk to Jerry, who's on the ground, obviously. Otis, the pr- president, because they were friendly. Uh-huh. I forgot about that whole situation. And then Carrie saunters out. How crazy was that? Oh, that was wild. Oh my God. This was insane. I my wow. And she's got a huge grin on her face. They say that at one point Tom goes, Hey, you know, this is like pretty low-level contacts that we have to reach out to some of these people. Why don't we handle hand off some of those to Carrie? And uh, <laughs> Carl goes, Who chuckles the clown? <laughs> oh my god, like. This is a shocking, <laughs> shocking reaction by Carrie. Isn't like, I mean, I guess people react badly sometimes when they're surprised, but wow. I mean, yeah. I do have a nervous smile and a nervous <laughs> laugh, but I just don't see myself in this specific situation um, breaking into that. But who knows? The funniest part about it wasn't just the smile. People have nervous smiles. It was the whole reaction. Like, wasn't that crazy? <laughs> yes. Like she's recounting I mean, a wild she just night had a out. Heart attack. Yes. Wow. Does she know what's happened? Like, I really feel like she's delusional at this point. Yeah. Oh I mean, for a second, I was like, wow, did they bring him back somehow? Like, that's <laughs> the only had... way that sentence makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly thought the same thing, like that she would walk in there and be like, how crazy was that? And then he would walk in with his shirt open being like, right. oh, I had a, had a <laughs> gas bubble. <laughs> It'd be like a slapstick ending to the whole episode. <laughs> This is when Tom calls Greg, by the way. So even though he has his own Greglets, he actually does still need his Greg. And he tells him to head back to the office and to stick with Sid, who was supposed to get fired, but apparently now probably not. And 
to find a folder on his laptop called logistics and to delete it and then to delete the trash can contents. Yeah, what the heck was in that folder? Yes. And that's my first question to you. Do you think Greg is going to look at it? And more importantly, would you look at it? I would absolutely look at what's inside that folder. There's no doubt I would look in that folder. You know, I actually was kind of thinking about whether I would look in it. And I think it very much depends on my relationship to the person. Certain things you're better off not knowing. And I think if it was someone super powerful, like, for example, if Logan asked me to, (laughs) I would probably just be like, I am going to delete this and not ask any questions. And that way I have a plausible deniability for whatever happens after this. For the Greg and Tom relationship, I think this is something also established very early on, right? Like when uh, Greg looks... (laughs) (laughs) Right, like was shredding those documents and whatever, right? Like Greg knows what's going on. And I think he's going to look. I think he should. Let's say there's something in those folders that destroying them would have been like illegal or something. And he's giving Greg to do it on his behalf. I'm not going to take a fall for you, Tom. (laughs) No way. Mm -hmm. And to your point, I mean, last time this happened, he said, I will shred the documents, but also copy them. So, Mm -hmm. um, and he did that behind Tom's back also. He's going to look at that stuff, I think. Absolutely. It could be another echo. Like we said that this echoes season one. This could be echoing the shredding of the documents in season one. Right. While the siblings are still reeling from all of this information. And Hugo says, they think it's better if I'm going to be a liaison and says, Mm -hmm. well, since you guys are estranged and you you guys are going through this whole thing, we're going to handle the media and- all that. And they're pretty much handling it. They started doing the outreach. They're just waiting to get the green light once they hit the tarmac. Kendall gets very suspicious. What are they trying to do? At the same time, they really are alienated from the dad. He starts saying like, oh, we just had a family gathering last night. This Mm -hmm. wasn't, we're not uh, alienated from them, (laughs) which of course is one way to read that. But of course, that's not what the contents of that actual conversation were. Right. And they're enemies at this point, really. But I do like the fact that they start, once again, acting like brats, where they're like talking about, oh, you're thinking about what's going to happen to the stock price. You're thinking about the way the board is going to react if we don't come public with this. And it's like, uh, yes. Yes. (laughs) That's what happens in these circumstances. And then Shiv says, hey, can we circle some more? Roman, by the way, (laughs) thinks that there's still a chance of saving him or something. So he's like, no, we need to get him down as quickly as possible. Yeah. Very high level of denial for Roman. (laughs) Yes, very much so. But I do like Shiv when she's saying, I'm not saying that they should keep circling until the markets (laughs) open on Monday, (laughs) which is kind of hilarious imagery. Obviously, the other players are definitely, you know, practical and professional, but the siblings are not. As their dad told them, they are not serious people. But Kendall is the most serious of them and starts saying, look, we have to think about like what happened, what comes next. And we can't be this in the history of this event. Right. The boat has departed in the meantime, by the way, and they tell Hugo if they could turn the boat around, which of course, I'm sure that everybody's been caught up in their own little dramas that they forgot to tell the captain we are not departing on time. So now they have to turn back around. And I think we see the Weehawk in a port in the background, actually. Oh, is that right? (laughs) Then in the midst of all this, a very sweet interaction between Connor and Willa. Connor says, I guess the right thing to do would be to cancel. And she says, I think this already is canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, great man, Connor, just stepping up in the past couple episodes. There's this moment where he goes, my father is dead and I feel old. And man, that was a great scene there. Yeah, it was really lovely. I thought it distilled their relationship dynamic in a way that 
was sweet, honestly, because from the preview, yeah. you know, of him asking, are you only with me because of my money? It was kind of like, right. ah, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> that's not going anywhere good. <laughs> but I think it really, you know, as we've talked about before, marriage can be anything you want it to be. And yes, right. it can be the greatest love story ever told, or it can be a functional relationship between two people who are just getting what they need from each other. You know, I think she puts it very nicely that like no one could ignore the money but you know she's not gonna run away if they don't get married that day yeah she says i'm happy (laughs) so the money's nice obviously but i'm happy but she says that in a very tender way and i'm not walking away today today (laughs) (laughs) not today (laughs) but some of the things he says to her are really nice you know he talks about the fact how he feels old and that she's so young he says i also feel like i stole you away from the world you know once again like a really surprisingly sweet scene between these two mm-hmm. characters where I would not have expected a million years given her reaction to the proposal in last season <laughs> that this is where we would end up. <laughs> Some other interesting things here that happen around along the way that siblings are finally starting to accept the fact that this is happening. Kendall says, when you saw me approaching you, what did you think? Shiv says, I was thinking that someone had died. And honestly, I hoped it was mom. Wow. That was such an interesting thing to say. Yeah. We had that incredible conversation between her and her mom last year. Right. It's funny too that they feel so betrayed by the mom because she like sold them out at the end of last season. But like his dad's the one who put the final nail in the coffin. <laughs> she just he just pressured her into doing it. So that yep. with a with an apartment, <laughs> what was in London, right? That's that's all. It yes, that's right. I do like the fact that they're like, I don't want to do a lot of planning for the funeral. And they're like, you don't have to do any of that, by the way. People will do it for you. And uh, I like the fact that Kendall describes it as, it's okay. We could do an off-the-rack funeral. Yes. Just, just do Reagan's with some yes. tweaks. Yes. <laughs> just Reagan with some tweaks. A reporter has already heard about the death. And they're mm-hmm. wondering, like, how did this happen? Did it come from the pilots? Is there just chatter among the ground crew? Did Carrie call somebody? Like, who knows what's up with <laughs> Carrie right now? <laughs> The chatter started, so they have to actually have a press conference once they hit the ground. And Tom interjects there, like kind of trying to do some logistics, and Shiv immediately snaps at him. And Tom's reaction here is great, by the way. He is just incredible performance by him this week. There's so much ambiguity in the way they just the way they photograph him, where you start wondering if they're hinting at some big move that he's going to make very soon. The way he just takes that in when she bites his head off again. And he just says, it's okay. It's a difficult day. He's so conflicted. He really means that in that moment, but there's something else happening underneath. I'm not sure what that is. How did you think about this moment? Did it stick out to you at all? The thing that came through to me most, I, I mean, I think you're right about what you're saying. That's why he's on the phone to Greg, giving him directions about mm-hmm. what to do. But the thing that was really clear to me and in his interactions with Shiv is that, you know, he always really did love her. And I think- Yes. Mm -hmm. They've talked about and and people talk about the idea of like, well, in a relationship, one person has to love the other more, right? Like it's just the way it goes. One person loves the other more. And I think he's always been the one who loved more to the extent she loved him at all or is capable of love. So to me, it really came through that he's always loved her and doesn't want to see her in pain and wants to comfort her in whatever way he can. Yeah. But and and yet, I think that there's something more brewing underneath there too. But I de- I definitely agree with that, and we see it again later in this same episode how they gravitate to each other in that last in those final moments. So it just made me think about, by the way, all of this, the way they're suddenly having to think about the stock market and all these other things. 
you know, you think about fame and money and all this power that you get, and there's these upsides to it. Like you get to own a yacht or something, you know, if you even get to use it that much, if you're working 20 hour days, but then you think to yourself, like you'd like literally can't even be a person. Like you could have someone die in your family and you within minutes have to start thinking about like press releases and power grabs and all this other stuff. It's just like, it, it, it seems like it must be completely alienating and exhausting <laughs> to live this life. Yes, but this is what they've chosen. Yes, They yes, could have made careers for themselves in a whole other field. They could be living, living on a Caribbean island. They yes. have chosen to involve themselves in this. So yes, that is part of it. But to me, they opted into it. You know, one of them could be like, I don't know, Shiv was a political consultant. Who knows right, how legitimate right. that was or wasn't. <laughs> right. But, you know, one of them could be working in like, um, I don't know. Oh, it's it's like when Kendall tries to buy that like BuzzFeed type uh, thing, right? Like he does try to do it under the umbre uh, umbrella of his dad's company, but he would have the money to do that himself. That That is not like right. they needed $45 billion to make that purchase. Like he, he so could have done it himself. They could be in a position of having carved out their own niche that is not so directly related to their family, although certainly would be assisting them in carving out that niche financially. Sure, sure. And in this situation, they could grieve and say to the, you know, to all the people on the plane, this is you, like you guys know your stuff and we trust you to do it. And like, yeah, you have someone looking out for your own financial interests to, to make sure, you know, your stuff doesn't get somehow traded away. It doesn't have to be like this, is my point. And I think that's the theme of the show is like, as much as it's torturous for them, this is what they're choosing. Yeah. And I'm sure the dad has guilted them all or put that carrot in front. We see it in the show, dangling that in front of them, being like, you're the one I want to inherit this business just mm -hmm. to keep him under mm -hmm. his good. And he never has any intention, like literally right. until he died. He really didn't have an intention, I think, of giving up power. And even if he had given it to one of them, he would still try to puppet them anyway. Right. I agree. So there is that toxicity to the way that he's manipulated them. But like you said, they can walk away, even if they get a fraction, even if he says, well, okay, well, then I'm not going to give you as much percentage of the company. They're still going to be very wealthy. And like you said, just their name alone, they can go and, you know, they're Nepo babies, right? You can exactly. just go and start something of your own and you'd still probably be a multimillionaire. You won't be a billionaire maybe, but so what? You don't, who needs all that? Exactly. Bottom line, I don't feel sympathetic to that. In fact, you know what? I almost felt irritated with them for their cluelessness <laughs> once again. Yes, right. this stuff matters. Why do you think you get to do the stuff that you want to right. do? And you can just, right. the rest of it is all just going to fall to your preferences. No, like this is the whole United States economy we're talking about. Yes, you do have obligations. Yeah, I want to be clear about that. It's not like I felt sympathy for them in this situation. It just made me think about there are people who live this life in this way. And I'm like, boy, that would suck. <laughs> yet, Just yet another reason why this particular lifestyle would mm. suck in, from my perspective. Some people thrive on this, by the way. I would find it to be terrible, <laughs> terrible way to live. In other words, Sona, I would definitely take the money and go live on an island. Like I'm Seriously, not play that would be the dream. I would be Connor at the beginning of the show where he's just like living on a compound in the middle of Arizona. Exactly, in Santa Fe or wherever he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another weird interaction I need to get your feedback on. They decide that Roman is the one who has to call Madsen, which makes sense, by the way. And he needs a private room and it's the room where Jerry is. And obviously they have a very inter uncomfortable interaction. But instead of just saying, I need the room and she puts her shoes on and she's getting ready to leave and she's ready to just, you know, she's obviously mad at him, but she's ready to just walk out the door. 
And he just starts doing his usual stuttering talking. And then he just goes, I'm sad. Mm-hmm. And she is cold to him, but it's like, I understand. And then walks out the door. And then he like bangs his head against the wall. What was what was that? I, I This is a scene that I could not get a read on. I'm not sure. Is, is she, he because he has this emotional connection to her for whatever in his own perverted way, but that's the only way he can express himself. He needs to be comforted. And is that what's happening there? I, I couldn't get a read on this, but what do you think? That's how I took it. Yeah. Is that he's basically a lost puppy at this point and doesn't know how to deal with what he's feeling. And I guess in prior times, Jerry has been a source of comfort to him and he doesn't know where else to go. And so he's hoping to get that from her in the worst possible circumstances to be looking for comfort from Jerry. That is very depressing that if this is the best he can do at this moment (laughs) to get some comfort. Well, I mean, I think this is the thing about the siblings, right? Is that in some ways they know each other so well and have so much history, but I don't think they've ever really been a source of comfort for one another. Yeah. Right. Like remember even with the, with Kendall and the waiter at the wedding, you know, Roman's trying his best. <laughs> Who yeah. hasn't caused the death of a cater waiter, right? But um, <laughs> And how long did I have to wait for my drink? So think about it. Who's the real victim? I mean, he's trying. He's trying. That's but his way of doing it, yeah. It's not what somebody needs in that moment. <laughs> a couple of things happen here. They Siblings, they arrive at Teterboro Airport exactly as the plane is landing. It's all conflating at the exact same time. Like everybody's there at the same time. The media has already arrived. They're snapping pictures. This show is just stacked with great actors, even when they barely get used. The actor, the security guard who plays Colin, just for I a saw that. second, yes. we see him on the tarmac and he is devastated by, yes. and I was just like, I like almost teared up. I'm like, oh my God, Colin. <laughs> yeah, he has like, no I, idea I, what to do with himself. <laughs> It's so sad. And I'm just like, wow, like there's like one of his only true friends who really did like this guy. And that's why, of course, Logan liked him because this guy sincerely liked him. He's just lost at that moment. And it's like the purest emotional reaction anybody has on the show without any strings attached. And it made me like actually emotional. I'm like, wow, man, that actor is killing it without saying a line of dialogue. (laughs) Yeah. And also speaking of, you know, me not seeing this coming. It was very clearly telegraphed in that conversation in the diner, Mm -hmm. right? About, you know, what comes after this. I think nothing. In retrospect, especially when you just see the featurette at the end and they show these scenes of him walking through the park with Colin trailing behind them. It really does feel like it is a little bit of a, um, he's like walking towards something, right? And put that together as well with, you know, he did get to tell his kids that he loved them. It it just, it, it does all track. (laughs) <laughs> as much as yeah. I was surprised in the moment, it all tracks. Yeah. And he told them exactly in the same way that they are like, dad, we love you, but what you did wasn't okay, but it's okay now. It's I, I, I like, I still love you and I accept you. Like all the things that they reacted to, he has that moment too with them where he goes, yeah. I love you, but you're not serious people. And right. that is his honest assessment of them. That is simply, yes. and it's the last thing he says to them, but it's all true. That is exactly I I agree. Once again, this is the other thing that I wonder if Tom is ascendant here. There's this moment where Tom just goes cold in the face. He just kind of gets very serious all of a sudden. Oh, I forgot to mention this, by the way. When Tom, who's been so stoic this whole entire time, talks to Greg, once again, the weird people that they can rely on, he starts to break down and tells Greg it was terrible. Like he was there when he died and it was terrible. We all make fun of Tom and he's a very entertaining buffoon of a character. He steps up when he needs to. Mm -hmm. But now, after this has happened and he was there and he held it together, 
I talk about how he's so tall, but he doesn't like use that in any way. The way he's photographed, he's walking across the tarmac to go to the press conference. He's photographed like a superhero shot here or something as he walks in. It's like his demeanor has changed. So I do wonder if they're telegraphing that mm. he is going to make some kind of move. And we did actually have him on the power rankings uh, earlier. Absolutely. The and then, of course, he sees Shiv. Shiv's the one who's going to speak at the press conference. She gives a brief statement, but it, it's very effective, I thought. I'm going to excerpt it here in the episode as a, as a bumper at the beginning. Then she sees Tom and she, once again, going to the idea of like, you know, marriages are different things. He, she, he just holds her and she just kind of takes that comfort and then keeps moving afterwards. And then the three siblings, I thought they all hug each other on the tarmac. Mm -hmm, and I thought that was very mm -hmm. sweet too, to kind of see that three. I did too. Days. Roman goes to see the body before they load it onto the ambulance. Kendall cannot. So he just stay, he stays back. And Shiv goes and starts to ask Tom, oh, can you tell me again? Give me the rundown of what happened, which I think is just another way to keep her distracted. So the body will just disappear and she doesn't have to interact with it. Well, she jumps in the car, right? And That's true. Yeah. And maybe that yeah, maybe that so. indicates that they're rekindling things here as well, possibly. I think she just wanted to get out of there as fast as possible. That's how I read it. That's true too. In the midst of all this, by the way, even right before they do the hug or right around that time period, Roman pulls out his app and shows that the oh Waystar stock has probably lost about 80, 90% of its value. Tanked. Yeah. Which, I mean, happened to Apple, right? Well, immediately after um, Steve Jobs mm -hmm, died. From this mm -hmm. company, right. So it's a similar uh, reaction uh, there momentarily, although that stock jumped back pretty quickly. But of course, this is a very interesting turn of events for considering they're about to be acquired. And also, in the midst of this one happy moment, we see that Connor did indeed get married with a very small group of people around him. Yes. As well. Something new in the midst of all this sadness. And that is the end of the episode. Then we see the trailer. It's like I mentioned earlier, it's basically like a season reset here. They're like coming up this season on succession as if it's like the first episode or something. <laughs> and very intriguing the way they've cut this together. They're definitely showing things out of sequence intentionally. Uh, I think like the Matson stuff is probably going to be very next week. And then, right. but they put it very late in the trailer as if this is going to drag on. I don't think that's going right. to be the case at all. But I am curious to see everybody is going to be angling here. The board is so divided. Matson could buy the whole thing if he wants to, all of it, including the news uh, organization, considering how the value of the stock is crashing. So very interesting to see who wins at the end of this battle. And of course, we have seen all the, throughout this leading up to this moment of three in it, uh, seasons and change of the show, that there have been all these different alliances and these frenemies that have collaborated when they needed to. And yet everything is on the table now in the show. And of course, we do see in the trailer also that we are going to have some kind of time jump to the presidential election, which is going to be more and more important, I think, as the show progresses. Mm -hmm. I agree. What do you think is going to happen to the show minus Logan? Like just from a... Do you think the ratings will go down? Do you think audiences will be angry that Logan's not there anymore? And you just you as a viewer, how do you feel about the show? Like, is it losing Logan? Is it bad for the show? Like, what do you think? I don't think it's bad for the show. I think um, especially because it is the final season. Right. I think everyone will continue to stick with it to see how it works out now that everyone has become untethered from, you know, the thing they were all orbiting around uh now it's i feel like i can almost visually see like everybody orbiting around logan and now that that's gone it's just total chaos and like a right, complete right. 
right? Like everyone's just bouncing off each other and doesn't know what right. to do with themselves. And right. I think they definitely can sustain um, an interesting plot with that for the rest of this season and series. I, I agree. And it's also like that the metaphor for like when Saddam Hussein fell from power, it's like he, he like ruled with an iron fist. And then everyone, all those in fa- factions, like basically tore each other apart and decimated the country in a way. <laughs> and it never, mm-hmm. never really rebuilt itself properly. And, uh, you know, that happened many times in, in history. So I am wondering if it's the same situation where these people are, you know, angling for power and they end up like just basically stripping this uh, company down for parts. Very interesting piece of dialogue, by the way, in the featurette, or I should say in the preview of coming episodes, where Matson says, you know, <laughs> they say that we're an important brand. <laughs> and uh, Matson goes, you guys have some, you're just a bunch of parts. You have some good yep. parts, you have some bad parts, and you have a toxic brand. <laughs> like the brand <laughs> is the problem. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so it is an interesting take on all of this. So it does remain to be seen where Logan is the face of the company. And now that fa- company has no face. So is it just parts? Like that's not a valuable company or, or not as valuable for sure. Right. I like the fact that in the featurette, Jesse Armstrong mentions that he really wanted to illustrate this death happening like at the end of a cell phone because we live in this world now where you know technology separates us, right? It keeps, keeps us more intimate than ever before, but then also keeps us physically detached from each other. So this is all happening like on a plane, like in this no man's land and nobody knows what's happening. And then they're right there via the phone. I, mean, I guess Tom could have turned on FaceTime. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, I you know, I watched that too and I heard that, but do I want to see it? No, but I don't know. I I guess I believe he believes it. Why why would he say it otherwise? But as we discussed, I think the more effective thing was that it put the audience in the same place as the siblings as far as their perspective, because I think in the real world, I think what he's saying is the opposite. We're more connected than ever. We have right. more ways to be aware of what's going on than ever between FaceTime and email and text and phone calls. Whereas, yeah, 50 years ago, then, yeah, you were at the mercy of whoever finally got around to telling you. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it could take weeks you know, I, I don't, to find out. Yeah, like that didn't make logical sense to me, that presentation of it. But I guess he believes it. <laughs> I guess it's, yeah. I mean, once again, it's like the whole idea of like the death of the author. It's like... It doesn't mean that whatever he wrote on the page is the way to read it, right? Like you, you read it any way you want to. And that doesn't mean the author's right about what he wrote in some ways. Yeah. Right? And I'm and I'm fine with all that, by the way. I think that that's the best thing to do is make something that's convincing to you and then people can read it any way they want to. Right. Okay. Next thing I wanted to mention here is I like when Sarah Snook is talking about how she you know, got it all out on screen and then she couldn't take it home with her because, you know, it's just too much. And then it's not fresh anymore if you stay mm-hmm, in the moment too long. Mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. cut to Jeremy Strong. And I'm like, is she trolling Jeremy Strong here? I wouldn't be surprised. Like they don't, they barely, I mean, they're probably doing these interviews like after the show's wrapped. And this is the last season. So she's just like, you know what? Like take a chill pill, man. <laughs> well, Karen Culkin too, though, was talking about how He understood he wasn't going through the trauma, but he emotionally felt like he was going through the trauma. And I felt like her little clip was in contrast to that as well. Like I almost pictured her walking off the set and going into her dressing room and like blasting 90s hip hop or something. (laughs) You know, like she just immediately was flipping a switch and doing whatever she could to go to the other extreme of like being very lighthearted and fun. And I felt like both Kieran Culkin and Jeremy Strong were kind of like, whoa, it was rough for weeks. 
it's almost like you're talking about different styles of acting, by the way, which I think yeah, I agree. Putting it all yeah. together because Jeremy Strong is like, you know, I'm in method. I have to for weeks while we're shooting these scenes, I had to pretend my father had died. Yes. <laughs> that's, pro- that's probably what he mm-hmm. was doing. And then Sarah Snook being like, you know, hey, it's acting. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, <laughs> fine. And, uh, and then you have Kieran Culkin's technique, which is interesting because it made me think about actually severance where, you know, Adam Scott's character going home and like crying the whole entire time and then going to work. And now like that switch has been turned off. Uh, there's somebody at some point talking about that like you don't you can't just erase that you went through that you know your body re- yes it. and it made me think about that too right because like Kieran Culkin's describing that right he's like putting his body through this yeah and you then, are I agree with that yeah and then your your mind is different you're in a different headspace but you did put your body through that so you know like it's that whole thing if like you pretend you're about to cry like a, an acting technique you make yourself cry and then if you cried all day in character, can you just go home and be like, I didn't cry all day right. for emotional reasons? Like, have you really convinced your body you weren't really upset that day? Like, <laughs> right. Maybe you are traumatizing yourself in a way. <laughs> One more possible version of acting. I liked Connor saying, well, Sarah Snook came in <laughs> like mm-hmm. emoting and I was right in the scene. <laughs> she's, she's just like, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a scene partner. That's what I do. So it's like, oh, you yes. come in, you came to play. I can do the same thing, yes. mirroring your your scene partner. So uh, once again, a different technique, but interesting that they. Uh, I I do find actors and their methods interesting. <laughs> not so much Jeremy uh, Strong's, but it, hey, it works. <laughs> he gives great performance, so I'm not going to critique anybody for the way that they do what they do. And then the last thing I want to bring up was I thought it really interesting to hear how Mark Millad was describing directing this sequence, this extended 28, 27 minute sequence in the middle of the episode and how they shot it for regular coverage. They shot it in like, you know, individual sequences, but he wanted to get like the whole thing played out like a stage uh, actor and they do not shoot digitally. Shooting digitally and going like a very long takes is very easy to do. Shooting on film is not because you have to switch out the the film. And I thought it was very funny, the technique they came up with where they have Basically, they have a secondary camera to run when they're changing the film in the primary camera. So they're just basically playing it out like right. a giant uh, stage play. And they have film hidden all over the room. Yes. So wherever they are, they have, they're have they within arm's reach yes. of another load of film. So I thought, wow, what a very clever way to do that. But you also think about how difficult it is to put these things together, which seem effortless on screen. But they you know, have to spend a, a lot of time figuring out the logistics. Speaking of logistics, we'll find out what Tom's logistics folder contains, hopefully, before this show is over. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> All right. So it is late at night. We recorded immediately after watching this, and this was a very long episode. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you too. And uh, yeah, very much looking forward to the shit show that is to come <laughs> after all this. Oh, boy. Yeah, it really seems like it's going to go off the rails um, for the rest of the season, likely. Have a happy Monday. You too. (laughs) Bye. Bye.